Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex, or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist, sex and intimacy coach, and a gender, sex, and relationship diversity therapist. And I am working my way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. I created this podcast to help you learn to express your desires, learn more about desires, spice up your relationships, and create those sizzling relationships that you have always wanted. I do this through solid science, real-life stories, and conversations with an exciting array of experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies that will help you choose the relationship style that works best for you and create exactly what you want and need. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and you can take advantage of the subscriber bonuses. And if you want to know more, head over to DrLaurieBethBisbee.com and sign up for my email list so that you can find out exactly what is going on in my world from week to week. But for now, come join me and enter my world of sex and relationships. See you inside. Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a psychologist and advanced accredited gender, sex and relationship diversity therapist, a sex and intimacy coach author and presenter, and I have spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create and maintain incredible relationships containing sizzling sex, but without shame. We're working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. And this week, the letter is E, um, and we are still in the middle of a house move. And as a result... Uh, this week is another Q&A podcast. Um, so E is for everything else. Um, this week, I'm going to answer some of the questions that have been sent in to me over the last few months that I um, either haven't had a chance to answer or I haven't had a chance to answer in great detail. And um, I hope that you find this useful. And so we're going to start with a question that came in from Jamie. And Jamie asked, what do I do if I have pain anytime I have penetrative sex and I don't want to disappoint my partner? So there's a two-part answer to this question. Let's start with um, what do I do if penetrative sex is painful? Uh, penetrative sex can be painful for a wide variety of reasons. Um, it can be temporarily painful or it can be painful almost all of the time. Um, people who have vaginismus can find uh, penetrative sex uh, painful all of the time. They can find any form of attempted penetration extremely painful. 
uh, vaginismus can be treated very successfully. And there are sex therapists who do specialize in this. Um, and there are a variety of products that are used as part of the sex therapy um, in order to help uh, decrease pain and um, increase relaxation um, and sometimes to make um, penetrative sex something that can become um, pleasurable, if not easy. That's one reason that um, penetrative sex can be painful. Another reason that a penetrative sex can be painful for people with vulvas um, is if you are um, menopausal or postmenopausal, uh, people can have a variety of issues around the vulva and the vagina, including a degree of atrophy. Atrophy is when the tissues shrink. Um, it's not just dryness. It's also a shrinking and a thinning of tissues. Um, uh, there is a degree of if you don't use it, you lose it. So um, if um, you are not doing anything at all for uh, quite a period of time whilst you are uh, going through the menopause or just before the menopause or just after the menopause, you're more likely to have issues with atrophy. Um, this is definitely can be easily treated with um, estrogen that is focused in that area in the vulva. In the United Kingdom, there um, are prescriptions. Um, you can get a prescription for um, a little tablet that you use an applicator to put up in the vagina. And it is, um, one of the brands is called Vagifem, but also um, over the counter now just released is Gina, which is a, um, another form um, of um, local um, estrogen therapy. Um, local estrogen therapy does not have the same types of risk as systemic estrogen therapy does in some, some circumstances, it doesn't always. Um, and um, it can really make a huge difference and can eliminate pain uh, on penetration um, with regular use um, because the tissues fill out again with, with the estrogen. So that's another reason. Um, some people have issues with penetrative sex. That's penetrative anal sex. Uh, if you are not taking your time and going slowly and building up to penetration, this can be incredibly painful. And there are a wide variety of ways you can go about um, becoming more comfortable and relaxing. One of the things that I recommend the most um, in all cases uh, whether the penetration is vaginal or anal, is to make sure that you're really, really, really turned on before you do this. Don't hope that you'll get turned on in the process, particularly if you found it painful before. You can start to feel a little bit anxious that it will be painful again, and this can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So do not, do not, do not approach penetrative sex if you are not incredibly turned on. The second biggest tip I would say is to make sure you use lots of lube. Now, I've talked about this multiple times before, but I am going to talk about it again because I think it's a really important topic. 
Lubrication is not just um, because uh, you are dry or older and you're not lubricating as much. Uh, there are a wide variety of reasons that lubrication doesn't um, come automatically, that there isn't enough lubrication, or that lubrication varies uh, from things like uh, feeling under the weather to taking certain medications to which time in your cycle it is. There are just a huge number of reasons. Um, but even when you think you're very well lubricated, if you're not incredibly well lubricated, you run the risk of micro tears. And the problem with micro tears is that they will heal very quickly. That's great. But there will be scar tissue, which really isn't a problem when you've got plenty of estrogen and you're really elastic. But when you get to the menopause and you're postmenopausal and you don't have as much estrogen, those areas where the scar tissue um, is will be inelastic and therefore make things more difficult, you may be liable to tearing again. So lots of lube, even when you're younger and you don't think you need it, prevents problems in the future. So lube, 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 lube. I've been saying that for ages. No matter what you're doing, lubrication is very, very useful. And don't forget that many people also, um, as their bodies change, as they get older, um, and estrogen drops can find that their lips crack as well and the corners of their mouth cracks as well. So it's not just the vaginal area that can become a problem. It can also be other areas of mucous membrane. Okay, so that really um, answered the, the physical questions around pain and intercourse. But the other part of this question was about not wanting to upset their partner and therefore wanting to find a way to go ahead with this instead, even though at the moment they really don't like penetrative sex of any kind. And this is a very difficult one. Um, you know, most of us really don't want to upset our partners if our partners are excited and, 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 and really wanting to be sexual with us. Um, but there are lots and lots of different ways that you can be sexual that can be really hot and really exciting and really satisfying and, and um, create amazing orgasms without having to have penetrative sex. So um, I like to encourage people to try all the other things that are out there and to stop seeing um, sex as a race to orgasm. Um, and for people who, um, are heterosexual, this is more common to stop seeing it as a race to the penis and vagina sex, right? Um, there are lots and lots of ways, um, to enjoy sex that don't necessarily end up in penis and vagina sex. It often, um, bothers me that, so many people talk about foreplay, and that term, of course, lends itself to that. And lots of people no longer use that term, but for older folks, that's the way they have been educated, and sometimes it can be hard to pick up new language. So, But foreplay was used to refer to anything that wasn't penis and vagina sex, and it was supposed to be getting you ready for the act, the main event. 
But oral sex is a main event in and of itself. And there's loads of things you can do with toys and fingers that all can be main events and, and don't have to lead to penis and vagina sex and also don't have to lead to any kind of penetration at all necessarily. So my encouragement is to do two things. One is to become comfortable talking with your partner and be willing to advocate for your own needs. If you don't feel that you can tell your partner that you're having difficulty, that things are painful, um, that you're not in the mood, then really you need to be working on your communication. And I would question doing anything else in the relationship until you do. You need to be able to consent enthusiastically. And you cannot do that if you cannot tell your partner, this hurts, or I don't want to do this, or I don't particularly like this, or this is really exciting for me, can we do that? It doesn't always have to be negative. You need to be able to advocate for your own needs and you need to be able to be clear about what you desire. And that requires being able to communicate. If communicating around sex in the past with this particular partner has caused arguments or um, people sulking or people being very upset and withdrawing um, or other negative forms of behavior, then I understand that people might be more hesitant to try again, but this is the situation where you might consider having some coaching or therapy in order to work through those issues so that you can have a good conversation about sex. And the more you're able to talk comfortably about sex and the more your partner's able to be able to hear your needs and act on your needs, the more likely excellent sex is going to happen, amazing um physical experiences, emotional experiences are going to happen. And so that may even mean that the penetration that was off the table could end up back on the table because you are so comfortable with each other that now it's something that you want to do. May not, but it could. Because a lot of times the reason that sex is painful is because people are tense or people are doing something that they don't really want to do. So communication is the first place to go to start trying to fix issues around this. So I would suggest a conversation first, and then I would suggest trying things other than penis and vagina sex or penetrative sex. I would suggest trying other things. Why not restrict yourself to being oral or restrict yourself to using your hands? Delay gratification for a while. Anticipation is a wonderful thing. It's a, it'll build up intensity and that intensity will translate itself into intense pleasure. So take the time to build up the intensity and the anticipation by focusing on other things. Maybe you, you even have a week where you say no touching of any genitals just to see what happens. Or sometimes only kissing. That's all you can do that week, just to see where it goes. Enjoy taking your time and creating some new connections with your partner. Okay, I hope that that helped answer that question. Now, let me see. 
Marty asks what to do if they find it really difficult to turn on and feel like most of the time they're not interested in much, but when they start having sex, they enjoy themselves. Um, so Marty did not say whether or not they um, were experiencing this as an issue just in general and all the time, or they were experiencing this as an issue as a result of some uh, physical state or emotional state. So for example, some people don't have much sex drive because um, they are going through menopause. Other people don't have much sex drive because they are experiencing a drop in testosterone. Some people don't have much sex drive because they're taking a medication that tends to interfere with sex drive. Uh, antidepressant medications can interfere with sex drive. You need to check because some do, some don't. Some will interfere for some people and not for others, so changing around can be helpful. Blood pressure medication can interfere in sex drive. Again, different ones interfere for different people, so you have to check things out and try it again. There are a variety of other medications that can also interfere with sex drive. Um, and being very tired will interfere with sex drive. Chronic pain can interfere with sex drive, chronic illness. So there's all sorts of things. And Marty didn't mention what it was that was interfering. Um, and then there are people who simply just don't uh, fancy sex most of the time. And they might be on the ace spectrum, the asexual spectrum. Um, they may never fancy sex uh, with a partner and... Um, they may um, never experience sexual attraction, but enjoy the actual act. So there's all different ways that this can be expressed. So it is it is somewhat hard to answer this question because I'm not exactly sure what the context is. Um, but I will say this. If you find that when you start, you enjoy yourself, then um, perhaps uh, it, being actually a little bit regimented about it and uh, reminding yourself to try um, it would be a good idea. Uh, you didn't say whether or not the reason that you're wanting to change this is because uh, your partner is um, unhappy if you have a partner or partners. Um, if uh, one or more of your partners are unhappy because you're not having much sex and um, and you don't think about it because your sex drive doesn't really feel present, but when you get started, you enjoy yourself. It, it's a conversation to have with a partner or partners. And sometimes a partner will be very clear that they are really tired of being the only one to initiate sex. Um, maybe they're personalizing it and feeling that the reason um, that you're not initiating sex is because you actually don't fancy them. You don't want to have sex with them. Um, and that um, the only person who is initiating sex is them because they're the only one who is excited by sex. That's not necessarily always the case. And in fact, it's often not the case. So to explain to a partner that actually that your loss of drive has nothing to do with them and um, that you are in fact interested, but that because of 
whatever the factors are that are getting in the way, it's not on your mind because your body isn't actually pushing you. You're not getting turned on on your own. You're not, you know, getting excited on your own and you're not, and you're not thinking about sex. And so, um, if they don't initiate, you're not likely to, because you'll just go along and you won't even realize how long it's been. Um, if you explain to them that it isn't about them, sometimes partners and often partners will feel okay about being the only one who initiates, especially if you make sure to let them know just how attracted to them you actually are. If they're willing to initiate once you get started and you then enjoy it, that can sometimes solve the problem between partners. But it it's important that you're very clear and you're very expressive about what you feel about them. Otherwise, people do tend to, to personalize things and it can be quite hard not to when it has to do with sex. And they tend to feel that, you know, the reason you're not initiating is because you're just not interested. Um, if this is a problem ongoing, scheduling sex can be an idea. Now, this is something I often recommend for new parents or parents with children who, although they may not be young or new, um, make it more difficult to have a sexual relationship. That if one, I know people always tell me they don't want to schedule it, but I have to tell you, if you're busy and you don't put it in the diary, often it doesn't happen. And having sex really late at night when you're absolutely exhausted or when you, and when you have to get up early in the morning, it's not the best sex. And often it, people feel... Um, pressured, they feel avoidant, they want to pull back from it. So scheduling sex, maybe less often, but for a time that you can actually carve out and protect, will have a much better effect. So sometimes look at having sex during the daytime when you can, um, instead of trying to have it at the end of the day, or maybe having sex first thing in the morning after you're well-rested, Although for parents of, of new babies, that's no such thing as well-rested. But the idea is to try for a time when you're not exhausted. And so if you're concerned about where your libido is at, scheduling it can be a good idea. However, if you're going to do this, make sure that you have a good plan for how to work on your arousal during that time. Start slowly. Spend some time getting aroused. Spend some time arousing your partner. Don't try to go straight into uh, intercourse because you're not likely to have as good a time. Anticipation is an absolutely amazing thing. And it's one of the most amazing things about our sexual interactions. But when you don't have libido, anticipation goes because you're not thinking about it. So you're not anticipating it because it's not on your radar. So you have to kind of build in um, a structure so that you can bring back some of that anticipation, reminding yourself what you're doing and checking that you feel good about it. Now, sometimes the reason that libido is down is because there's a problem within the relationship um, and the person doesn't really want to have sex with their partner. And it's really important if this is what's going on, that you identify that this is what's going on and figure out for yourself, what the issues are, and then seek to address your issues and then any issues that you have with your partner. Don't try to push through that. 
without seeking to actually address the issues and work them through. If the issues are complicated, please seek out a coach, a therapist, uh, a relationship counselor. Seek out somebody who can work on the issues with you. Because if you push through and try and do it anyway, you could end up with negative sexual experiences and traumatic sexual experiences. And that just makes all of this harder. That just makes repairing relationship harder. That can cause great breaches in the relationship. So don't just try and push through. Don't violate your own consent. Go and seek the help that you need. Take your time. You will appreciate it more and your partner will appreciate it more. I hope that helped. Jean wrote that she has chronic pain and this makes sex very difficult. She said that her muscles are somewhat weak, um, that uh, any positions on her knees for very long are very painful and um, she'd like some advice on what to do um, to deal with um, chronic pain and sex. And this is a unfortunately, incredibly common situation. There's nothing worse than trying to um, enjoy a sensual and sexual experience with a partner or on your own and approaching orgasm only to have a body part fail you, a cramp in the leg, um, your knees give way, your back gives way, and then Everything that was feeling good now feels horrible. Um, it's a fact of life that as we get older, more of us have issues uh, with our musculature and our skele um, skeleton and our joints, and that uh, more of us need a bit of extra help. We might be a bit stiff. So it's time when you're feeling pain to look at the positions that you're getting in and consider trying different positions. Um, missionary position can work very well for somebody who has um, issues being up on their knees, right? Uh, but it, it is a definitely an awkward position for hips. Um, one thing that can make it easier, uh, that can change the angle of penetration that can increase uh, clitoral stimulation sometimes, and um, also that can just make it easier on the hips and the back, depending on what you use, is to use various forms of wedges or pillows. Um, there are ones made specifically for sex. Uh, Liberator makes a range of different kinds of sex wedges. Um, they even have one that is uh, got a place to put a toy so that you can actually use that if that's what you want. Um, so they've got a whole wide variety, but you can also use orthopedic wedges. Dame uh, Sexual Products also makes uh, a very nice under the bum wedge. It's, um, it's quite firm. There are all sorts of places you can look. Um, and so some of the, the pillows and wedges that uh, people will sleep with in bed in order to prop themselves up or in order to relieve uh, hip and uh, knee pressure during the night will also be useful during sex. 
Also consider the positions that you're putting yourself in and where the stresses are. Take a look at that. One of the positions that can often be very easy on a person who's got uh, chronic pain issues is spooning. And that is being um, on your side and having your partner behind you. Um, You can also be on your side and have your partner in front of you or semi in front of you. There are a variety of ways of doing this, but being on your side can relieve some pressure and make it a little bit easier. Uh, you You need to experiment though, because each person's issues are different. And also each person's strengths and weaknesses are different. Remember that some of this takes quite a bit of muscular strength and that that can be one of the problems. If fatigue is one of the things that gets in the way along with pain, plan slow, gentle sessions or very quick sessions, quick and intense. It can be sometimes very hard to predict when you will feel fatigued, um, particularly if you have an autoimmune disease. Figuring out when you're going to run out of spoons can be incredibly difficult. So, um, Giving yourself some grace and giving your partner some grace is really important when you're looking at dealing with these sorts of issues. A lot of times I think people get into the scarcity mindset that they um, can sometimes get into when you're looking at um, uh, finding a partner, um, getting the job that they want, moving forward in life. People will often think that there's a very limited amount of things available for them and that they they have to rush and hurry and push and pressure in order to get their share of things or the stuff that they want or their fair share of things. They'll compete. Um, there's a lot of energy that uh, that there's very scarce resources, very scarce resources. And actually, if you take a breath and try and look at it from a place of enough. There are enough resources. Even there are abundant resources, but just start with there enough. Like, so with, um, with this example, there is enough time, right? Instead of there's not enough time, there's not enough time. If I don't do this now, I may never get to do it again, or um, I may never get the opportunity. My partner's going to get tired of doing it this way. Um, my body's going to get worse, whatever it is taking a breath and thinking about it from the point of view is there's enough time to go slowly, to take note and to enjoy. Pay attention to your body. Warm your body up. If you are somebody who has joint and uh, connective tissue, tissue issues and muscle issues, skeletal issues, as you get older, warming your body up is going to make things easier. Maybe consider taking a warmer bath or a hot bath before, although that can make you tired. If you can get through the drowsy part, the relaxed muscles, the loosened body will make things easier. Take your time. Go slowly. Even if you want to look at it like you're doing an Olympic event, right? Athletes warm themselves up before they push themselves. So remember that and take the time. It can be quite frustrating and quite 
emotional, when you have physical issues that interfere with intimacy on a regular basis, it's an area that it's worth taking the time to work through. Make sure to pay attention to your feelings. Figure out what they wa- what they are. Figure out what it is you need and talk about them. Your body will thank you for it. Your partner will thank you for it. And if you're with somebody who doesn't understand your physical situation, who isn't willing to take time, who's frustrated and angry about it all the time, maybe you're with the wrong person. Just saying. Okay. Let me find another one. Mary wrote to me asking about um, opening up her monogamous relationship of 30 years. She says that she has always wanted to be involved with a woman and she's never had the opportunity to do so. Um, And that um, she's been with her male partner for the last 30 years and um, feels like she doesn't want her full life to pass her by without her having this experience that she's always wanted to have. Um, Initially, she thought about trying to figure out how to invite a woman to join them. And um, she's asking whether this is the best way to go about things. Um, Thanks for the question. So here's the thing. Um, Oftentimes, I get this question because there will be um, a woman who has always been interested in experimenting sexually with another woman, but who is in a long-term monogamous relationship with a man. And um, they will think that maybe the easiest way of going about doing this is to try and have the classic threesome. Um, Aside from this being uh, the sort of most common fantasy still for many men, Many men say that they would love to see a couple, two women together or be part of a sexual experience with two women or more women. Um, Threesomes are not always as easy as one might think. Um, If you have uh, watched Open House, The Great Sex Experiment, or if you've been listening to me over the last number of years, you will hear me say that three is actually quite an awkward number a lot of the time. Frequently, somebody feels left out. And I'm going to say that particularly when a woman has been wanting to experiment with another woman for a very, 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 very long time, and she is very excited about doing this and has the opportunity as part of a threesome to do so, it can be really easy to leave out her male partner. She gets so excited and so involved in what she's doing. And the other woman's so excited and so involved in what they're doing that the male partner can end up feeling left out. Three is an awkward number. It is much easier for somebody to feel left out with three than with four. So if this is something that you want to do with your partner for the first time, I often recommend trying to consider four, consider another couple, consider... um, 
the uh, possibility of there being four people so that if somebody is not involved in the action, there's usually somebody else who can sit there and chat with them. It just seems to flow more easily in my experience. So that's definitely one way to do it. Doing it with your partner is definitely one way to go about it. If you're going to do that, really make sure to talk it through before you do it. Make sure to do your work before you do it as well. You really need to consider how you might feel seeing your partner with another sexual partner, with another person. If you have um, insecurity about your relationship, this is not a good thing to do. You need to be secure in your relationship and your place in the relationship. And you really need to be secure in yourself to have this go very well. So don't just jump into it. Do a little bit of work on yourself. If you're not sure, definitely talk to a coach who's experienced in this, a therapist who's experienced in dealing with this. Go see somebody who deals with non-monogamy on a regular basis and somebody who deals with opening up and actually have a look at what your interest is, what's driving this, any pitfalls. All of this is a good idea before jumping in and doing it. Really be clear with your partner, you know, what are the kind of uh, parameters of this experience? Are there any boundaries you're setting? Talk it through. Make sure everybody consents. If you find the person that you want to invite in, if you're going to have a threesome, sit down with them and negotiate again with them. Remember, this is a whole other person. They're not your plaything. You need to find out really clearly what it is that they want to get out of the experience. What boundaries they have, if they're happy with your boundaries. So this is one that I suggest you take the time because if you put the time in, you're much better result will happen. If you don't put the time in, it's much more likely that things will go boom or be difficult. But I'd like to suggest another option. If you have been, as Mary describes, interested in having sex with a same-sex partner, experimenting with a same-sex partner for many, 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 many years, and you've been fantasizing about it for many, 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 many years, consider negotiating with your monogamous partner for you to go and explore that on your own. Your partner's not going to be left out in those circumstances. I mean, they're left out in the sense that you're not bringing them with you, but that's something you negotiate, you talk about, you make sure everybody's okay with. You're then able to focus on this experience that you've been fantasizing about for many years. You don't have to split your attention. Your attention can be on the person that you're with, the person that you're experimenting with. Take your time, find somebody you really connect with, find somebody you really click with. Find somebody you are really sexually attracted to, who's really attracted to you, to have this first experience. It's also a great idea if you can find somebody who's got more experience than you do, so that you are able to um, learn from this person and uh, follow their lead uh, so that you're both not stumbling around. Although, you know what? First experiences with two people can be a lot of fun and they can be really tender and really sweet. 
But it is worth considering doing this on your own rather than inviting somebody to come and join you. Um, It's a different experience with a partner. A threesome or a foursome is a very different experience than going and having your first experience on your own. This still takes negotiation. This is still non-monogamy, and this is nothing that should be done behind someone's back. That is a surefire way to screw up your relationship um, and, and is unethical. So where you have to start is the conversation with your partner so that you can work through any issues and gain consent. That's where you start. But I do think that if it's a fantasy that you have had for a very long time, that it is well worth negotiating having the time to do it on your own. That way, um, it's less stressful and you are much more likely to get what you want out of that full deep experience. Then once you've had a bit of experience, if you feel like it, invite your partner along. It's a different experience, but at least find out first, because sometimes you've been fantasizing about something for ages and ages and the reality just doesn't match the fantasy. You thought it was going to be amazing and incredible. And in reality, you didn't really enjoy it. Well, if you're in a threesome, that can be really difficult because maybe you're not really enjoying it, but your partner's having a blast. And now you feel left out and and maybe you have some um, in, insecure feelings then. It can be very, very difficult. Much better off to find this out on your own first. Or maybe you find out you really enjoy it and you don't actually want to share the attention with with anyone else. And then you've got your partner there and then you're leaving them out and they're miserable. So it is well worth considering the possibility of negotiating, doing it on your own for the first time. I hope that is helpful. I have one more question here that I'm going to answer. um, And then we will wrap it up for this week. Um, okay. I've been asked about size and does size matter? I was asked this by someone with a penis. I guess it depends on the person. Yes, size matters, but size is different for different people. Some people, um, enjoy girth and feel that girth is very important and length isn't so important. Some people feel length and girth are important. Some people just appreciate length. Other people really don't want a penis that's too big. They want someone who's average size. Um, It matters, but like many things, like if you look at breast size, does breast size matter? Well, it does to lots of people. But some people like large breasts and some people like small breasts. Some people like itty bitty breasts. Other people like large nipples. So it is the same type of situation. It's such an individual preference. What matters more is your own confidence. If you are comfortable with yourself and you are sexually confident, then no matter what size or shape that you are, you are likely to be able to bring lots of pleasure to a partner and to have 
partners absolutely adoring you. Your confidence is the thing that's the most important. Your self-acceptance is the thing that's the most important. So um, yeah, size matters, but not in the way that one might think. Different strokes for different folks. Focus on your confidence. Focus on yourself. Get really comfortable with you and what you can do. And then go out there and get what you want. Thanks for joining me this week on the A to Z of sex. I hope you enjoyed the answers to the questions that came in this week. Um, And next week, uh, I will um, still be in the process of this move, which is, as I had said, you know, it's going to take a couple of months. um, And I should probably be back to regular programming the week after. So next week, there will be another question and answer podcast. Um, and uh, so if you have additional questions, do get them in. I still have a stack to work my way through, so uh, not to worry. But um, if you do have something that you'd really like me to answer and you'd like me to answer soon, you can email Lori Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com and, and please put a question for podcast in the subject line or question for A to Z of sex in the subject line. I am still running my monthly raffle for 30 minutes with me to talk about whatever you like, ask whatever questions you like one-on-one for anyone who writes a review for the show or for one of my books. As you know, reviews really do help people find things that they like. Um, And so if you write a review for the show or for one of my books, you will be entered into the monthly raffle for 30 minutes free with me. Now, this is the only way you can get 30 minutes free with me at the moment because um, my time is really full. Uh, If you do write a review, please email me your details so that I can put them in the bowl to pull out for the monthly raffle. If I don't have your email, then it's impossible for me to let you know that you have won. Um, I will validate the review and put you in the bowl for 30 minutes. Now, the email doesn't have, uh, the review doesn't have to be a good one. It can be a neutral one. It can be a critical one if you've got things that you want to say and you want me to hear. I hope it'll be a good one. But please just go and do a review and you will be entered in the monthly raffle. Coming up in December, there's going to be some toy raffles going on as well. I will be back doing my lives, some of them with my sister, Mrs. Blue Frost, on Instagram. And I will be doing my TikTok lives if you don't follow me there yet on Instagram, it's at Dr. Bisbee. And on TikTok, it's Lori Beth UK. Then join us for our lives. We do all sorts of different topics. And I will be raffling things throughout the month of December so that people have some nice holiday gifts. So I'll be doing a whole bunch of giveaways. Join me for that. If you want to know what's going on um, and be one of the first to know what's going on, go ahead and join my mailing list. You can do this by heading over to drlauribethbisbee.com and filling in the pop-up and um, you'll get whatever my uh, 
freebie of the month is. And uh, also your name will go on my mailing list. And that means you will get uh, regular mailings telling you what's going on in my world and um, advance notice of new content, uh, advance notice of free events and um, any discounts with paid events and uh, paid time. And I look forward to seeing all of you next week. Have a brilliant week. Stay safe. And I'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review wherever it was you listened to it. But especially head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Reviews really help the show get out there. If you want to support my work, you can support it through my Patreon page. That's Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Patreon.com. You can also head over to DrLoriBethBisbee.com and subscribe to my free mailing list, which will keep you updated as to the activities I am getting up to and any special appearances. For people who subscribe to the Patreon, there are special broadcasts, merch, um, and the opportunity to get discounted tickets to a lot of the events that I do. Knowledge gives you power. The more you know, the better your relationships, the better your satisfaction and joy. If you've got suggestions for the show, comments or questions, do email at Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com and I will try and incorporate them. Have a wonderful week filled with loads of joy.